You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and I will be your host for today's special Halloween-themed episode. If you're listening to this uh, during our premiere, then it is October 31st, 2017, and uh, this is our special Halloween episode. Joining me, as always, in the studio are Matt, Ken, and Jeff. How's it going, guys? And that was that was a pretty spooky, uh, spooky intro. I don't I don't know if I can handle this. <laughs> I got chills. Yeah, it's a little spooky in here. I was just I was just thinking that to be honest. Sort of a, a ghoulishly grim afternoon here. Dead body in the corner. Yeah, there is a well. If you guys are familiar with the uh, beat the zombie, um, you know, escape room thing where you uh, have to figure out clues before a zombie touches you, there is a zombie in the corner of the room, and every five minutes it gets closer and closer. <laughs> He's mostly just hanging out. Well, he is. We gave him we gave him some magazines, a few chocolates. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. You lay out a nice spread for him. He's not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, a little hummus. So, um, <laughs> Zombies love hummus. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, today's Halloween. So uh, we're trying to do a uh, Halloween-themed game here. Uh, I did my best to find questions that weren't your normal Halloween fare, like, you know, uh, what's the animal that crosses you and you have bad luck, black cat, you know, things like that. Um, so I tried to find as many different questions as i could but knowing me a lot of them veer toward film uh, and horror movies but uh, i tried to restrain myself and uh, and make it accessible my younger brother was born on halloween so he used to tell everybody when we go around trick-or-treating as kids and he was always cuter than me anyways so he would always get double candy so halloween is not a holiday yeah. that i personally enjoy but yeah. <laughs> you, you have a very frightening memory <laughs> of the when i was a kid i uh, went trick-or-treating and i was like eight or nine i went as Darkwing duck and it was a homemade costume so i was wearing this like witch's hat and doing this thing and then this lady opens the door. And she's like, "Oh, look at the little girl's a witch!" And I was mortified. <laughs> That's frightening. It was very that too is frightening. Yeah. I think that beats my story. Yeah, I was I was a pretty good little kid, so I didn't get into too much 
too much mischief <laughs> on Halloween. Just kind of went about my business and collected my candy. He, yeah. was the, he was the kid putting razor blades in the candy bars for oh, other kids. Oh, no, nobody does that. I, no, no one does. Yeah, I've actually, that's a, true. They did a study. I know it's true. I've but. seen a few uh, haunted house, or excuse me, I've seen a few houses that we went to when I was younger where you know it was answered by what I now know as adults in lingerie, and I wasn't sure if they were dressed <laughs> up at the time. But I realized now that they were just you know they were headed, themselves. They weren't headed out to Rocky Horror afterwards. They were not. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, Halloween and, and costumes, uh, re- as quick as you can, I'm just going to name you just. Give me three Halloween co- Halloween costumes that you had uh, as a child that you remember, Jeff. Uh, my favorite was Red Power Ranger. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice! That was the only one All that mattered. Them. Only one that mattered. All right, Ken. Definitely know that I was uh, I was Grim Reaper one year, and uh, you know it was kind of kind of hood where nobody could see my face. So walked into the classroom, mm-hmm. nobody knew it was me. That's good, yeah. Matt. And consecutively, I went as Donatello, Leonardo, and Michelangelo. Ah, uh, nice. Uh, and as for, most kids growing up in the 90s. What happened to the fourth one? Nah, I, was, I was too old to be Raphael. <laughs> they don't want 14, 15 year olds. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll post these pictures if I remember or someone reminds me, but uh, I believe third, fourth, and fifth grade, this session was uh, I was uh, the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifth grade, I was the, or excuse me, fourth grade, I was the mask, and my aunt tailored a full yellow suit. <laughs> Because um, she was a tailor. Wow. And uh, my fifth year, I was Dr. Green from ER. So <laughs> the, full, the full gambit of Neil there. <laughs> uh, so on that note, uh, let's get to the game. Uh, as always, it's 20 questions in a variety of topics worth 10 points apiece and split into two rounds. Each ho- more horrifying than the last. <laughs> Each more horrifying than the last. Correct. At halftime, there will be a special swing round designed by me uh, where our players can rack up some extra points. And they will enter the final round uh, with the points that they have accumulated. And we'll have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five questions uh, until the end of the game when someone will be named the cream of the crop. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. All right, here we go. The 1966 TV special, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, is memorable for many reasons. Another football kick attempted by Charlie Brown... Snoopy as the Red Baron, and one reoccurring joke during the trick-or-treating sequence that seemed to affect Peanuts fans around the world. For five points, what did Charlie Brown get while trick-or-treating? And for the other five points, what was his costume? Two-part question. It might be a first. I think I definitely know the first one, and the second one I think I know. I think I'm good here. I never really watched The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. The Christmas special was the one that I used to watch over and over as a kid, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm not very familiar, but I've got a couple guesses, so... All right. Uh, Matt looked the most confident. Um, Let's go with Matt. I believe it's the iconic line, I got a rock. Uh, Rock being the thing he got. And I think he was just a sheet over his head ghost. Okay. Ken? Yeah, I remembered the line, I got a rock. And uh, yeah, I think he had a pretty crappy ghost costume. (laughs) And Jeff? Uh, I'm going to ruin the trend here. Um, I guessed Apple because I couldn't remember, but I definitely remember the sheet over the head ghost. So I did go ghost. Okay, so Jeff will only get five points, but the other guys were correct. It was a rock, and he was a ghost. Uh, Peanuts creator Charles Schultz wanted Charlie Brown to get a rock at just one house, but animator and voice of Snoopy Bill Melendez suggested it happened three times. Uh, Many viewers of the special were so affected by Charlie Brown not getting candy that after it first aired, Charles Schultz received bags and boxes of candy from all over the world labeled just for Charlie Brown. It was a ploy to get free candy. I do like when fans send in obscure things in protest. Yeah. We hate candy here. Just throwing it out there. If you want to send yeah, some Snickers out. are my least favorite, yeah. so please don't send any of those. Yeah, an anonymous uh, Triviality fan mailed me a, uh, a periodic table for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> On to question two. West Virginia is only one of two states to be admitted to the Union during the Civil War. 
Can you name the other state, fittingly known as the Battleborn State, that was admitted on Halloween, 1864? Oh, not a Halloween question. <laughs> I'm locked in. All right, Matt is in. Where's your head at, Jeff? I know the other day you said you're really good at state models. That's why I put this question in here. I don't remember the uh, the Battleborn State being one that I'm familiar with. But I have an educated guess, so we'll go from there. I'm having trouble with this one, so I'm going to take a stab. A okay. stab at it. Ooh, oh, very, I like these terms scary. here. Multiple stabs. A stab. Uh, let's start with Jeff. Okay. Um, here's my logic. So uh, West Virginia was admitted uh, as a state to the north. So I figured maybe it was a state uh, in the south. I can't remember exactly when it was. I'm pretty sure Texas was in before then, but I'm thinking a little bit westward. So I guessed Missouri. Okay, uh, Missouri and Matt. Um, I'm in the similar region, and I'm hoping that the actual motto isn't getting lucky in this state, and I said Kentucky. Okay, Ken. Uh, I went further west. I know there's a lot of territories um, out in the, uh, the further western United States, and uh, I just went Nebraska as a guess. Okay, well, Ken was the closest uh, trying to go west. Uh, the actual state known as the Battleborn State is Nevada. Mm. So uh, Nevada uh, was a sympathizer to the Union, and they mm. wanted to rush them getting admitted to the Union so that they could vote uh, President Lincoln in again in 1864. Uh, so Nevada rushed to send the entire state constitution by telegraph to the United States Congress before the 1864 presidential election. Uh, since they did not believe that sending it by train would guarantee its arrival on time. The Constitution was sent less than two weeks before the election, and the transmission took two days. It consisted of 16,543 words and cost over $4,300, equivalent to 65,000 nowadays. It was, at the time, the longest telegraph transmission ever made, a record it held for 17 years until a copy of the revised version of the New Testament was sent by telegraph on May 22nd, 1881. So even back in the day, the system was rigged. system was rigged, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you some references here, and you guys will figure out the question. Gotham City's Psychiatric Hospital for the Criminally Insane, the creature that Cartman instructs to kill Justin Bieber on South Park, And the Book of the Dead in the Evil Dead series are all references to what author who received posthumous fame for works in the macabre? And I I do want to remind everyone listening to this episode that uh, just make sure to keep in the back of your head that this episode episode is Halloween themed. And that you'll die after seven days of listening to it. Just to be clear, that's not a threat. It's it's more of a supernatural sort uh, sort of thing. The movie would never happen now because no one would have a VHS player anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd have to get a Snapchat for 10 seconds. <laughs> I guess I just can't watch this. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's start with Jeff. He looked the least confident. So the only reference that I know for sure, I'm not a big fan of watching South Park, or um, I so I haven't really seen any of it. And uh, Evil Dead I watched very briefly about 15 years ago, so I, I couldn't tell you offhand. Uh, the, but the Batman reference I do get, so I guessed Arkham because that's Arkham Asylum. Okay, Arkham was the reference that I was looking for there to help you out. Um, Matt? Yeah, I just put Arkham too, because that's the only thing that I knew. Okay, and Ken? So there's the Arkham reference from Batman. Maybe the the South Park thing was Cthulhu. I Mm -hmm. went H.P. Lovecraft. Ken was right on the money. Uh, Arkham, Cthulhu, and Necronomicon were all references to H.P. Lovecraft. Um, Stephen King called Lovecraft the 20th century's greatest practitioner of the classic horror tale. He said Lovecraft. After himself, of course. After himself. He said Lovecraft was responsible for his own fascination with horror and the macabre and was the largest figure to influence his fiction writing. 
Lovecraft's chief chief influence was Edgar Allan Poe. It's it's kind of funny. Um, I would have guessed Cthulhu and the Necronomicon, but neither would have gotten me to Lovecraft because I'm mm. not very familiar. So, yep. Uh, number four, I think Matt's going to have uh, hopefully a little bit of an easier time on this one. WWE star Chris Jericho took his ring name and the name of his submission maneuver, Walls of Jericho, from the debut album title of this German power metal band currently on their Pumpkins United World Tour. German power metal? German power metal band on its Pumpkins United World Tour. And Walls of Jericho was the, was name. the name of the album. I am locked in. I'm in with a guess. Uh, let's start with Matt. Uh, the only power metal band I could think of is Rammstein. Okay. Jeff? I went Rammstein. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And Ken? You must hate me for asking this uh, question. Duhas. <laughs> but uh, I went with Rammstein. Firefly. All right. Unfortunately, there will be uh, no points on this question. Uh, the reason it's called Pumpkins United World Tour is the O in their name it is, has always been a jack-o'-lantern, and they are the band known as Halloween. Oh, yeah. I have heard of Halloween. Um, Saw them live. They were very good. They're kind uh, of a novelty thing, like a guar type. Yeah, they, they've been or together. Rammstein. They've been, been together about over twenty five years or so. Okay. Um, great band though. Uh, check them out. Chris Jericho is a huge fan. All right. Question five. Normally, our listener submitted question. Uh, if you have a listener submitted question, please send it in to mm-hmm. trivialitypodcast at gmail dot com and uh, list the host you would like to read it. Uh, we don't have any yeah. uh, for this question. This so one I, had to be extra scary. So yeah. if you if you have one about Halloween, please wait a few months before you send it to us. Yes. We're not going to do twelve one months, for, please. For, preferably twelve. Yeah, months. or at least put in the email. Mm-hmm. Do not open until October twenty eighteen. <laughs> okay. Um, we'll definitely not forget about it. <laughs> I'll start. It'll be fine. Uh, here's the first. Here, here's uh, question five. Usually, my German or French friends only speak in affirmative expressions. That is until I pull out a planchette, a board, and use the ideomotor effect. That's when we really start to communicate. What exactly are we doing? Gotcha. I'm in. This is upsetting. I don't know. Can you go one more time with that? Usually my German or French friends only speak affirmative expressions. That is until I pull out a planchette, a board, and use the ideomotor effect. That's when we really start to communicate. What exactly are we doing? This is uh, the game based off the horrible movie, Ouija. All right, Ken. <laughs> yeah, it's Ouija. I believe the planchette is the uh, it is the little glass that moves around. Yeah, and Jeff. I said Ouija. All right, so if uh, as I said, German or French friends speaking in affirmative actions. Oui. French is we, oui and and German is ja or ja. So playing with a Ouija board, correct? Mm. Actually, let's do a little score recap here. Matt uh, has twenty, Ken has thirty, and Jeff has fifteen. So pretty close All game right. still. All right, question six. In 2009, internet forum poster Eric Knutson, using the pseudonym Victor Surge, entered a Photoshop contest to alter everyday photographs into something paranormal. He created this figure that immediately went viral, spawning its own mythos, and among other incidents, motivated a near-fatal stabbing attack in Waukesha, Wisconsin in 2014. Me and Ken were in on that, like, immediately. Yeah, I got this. I don't know, but I'm in. Yeah, that stabbing incident was pretty brutal. Pretty Uh, brutal. Um, Very unfortunate. Well, well, Jeff didn't really know, but let's start with Jeff. Uh, I said the Virgin Mary. Okay. Ken? So uh, this character wears a suit because I believe he's an attorney with Slenderman and Slenderman. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is the Slenderman. Uh, All right. And Matt? Yeah, uh, it's definitely Slenderman. 
It is Slenderman. Um, so if you guys might be familiar with the court case. Um, HBO just released a documentary last year about it. Um, but, and both girls actually just recently of this year had uh, declared insanity and uh, they both were sent to a mental hospital. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that something that was meant to just be fun and, you know, kind of creepy right. yeah, turned into something negative like that. And uh, luckily the, the, the victim in the attack uh, did survive. So um, well wishes. Yeah, well wishes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Question seven. For one day a year on Halloween, Hollywood blacklists this product made of polymer resin, plasticizer, surface active agent, and a propellant. I'm in. All right. Jeff in quickly. Same here. Ken. All right. And Damn Matt is it. thinking. Uh, I was hoping the science would speak to, to Jeff like the voices he hears on Halloween night. If only just that night. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I have an answer. <laughs> All right, let's start with Matt. I just put candy corn. Candy corn, okay. Uh, let's go to Jeff. I guessed silly string. Okay, <sighs> let's go to Ken. I think spray paint. Ooh, both very, very good guesses, uh, but it, the correct answer is silly string. Oh. Um, only both were good guesses. Um, well, I I was trying to think of, when you said that, I was trying to think of where the plasticizer would be and the surface agent and but so it's like i the, took a guess you mean like the the area of hollywood or uh the city of hollywood bans it every uh for one day a year because of the mess and yeah. right and it's, um, it's like how um convenience stores won't sell eggs to kids like up to two days before halloween at some cities or whatever they, they, don't re- don't forget eggs well, last three days so mm. you can get them a couple of days ahead of that yeah. moving on to question eight my neighbor has a decoration on their lawn that reads, he was so brave, he was so cute, until he forgot his parachute. What is the seven-letter word for this inscription? Oh, I got it. I was kind of confused about what you were asking, but now I understand. I wish you were still confused. And uh, if anybody uh, misses this question, they'll be uh, eliminated from the game via buzzsaw. Oh, no. <laughs> Bad news for me, because I can't think of the term for it. Didn't you know that's the new rules for the Halloween <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst sound. That was a terrible chainsaw. We will cut in a better chainsaw sound effect. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Matt? Well, it's the inscription on a tombstone. There you go. Okay. But, but I don't know the name of it. Pepperoni and cheese. Yeah. Would be. Oh, okay. Jeff. I said epitaph. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ken? Yeah, I'm thinking of the uh, famous punk labels. The one with epitaph. Okay, and Matt. And Ken took my reference. It. I was going to do that. It's epitaph. Yeah. That's correct. Great job, uh, Matt, pulling that at the last second there. I was going to include a punk reference, but I decided not to to see if you guys could. That would have got it right away then. And you did it. So my demo's in the mail for uh, Mr. <laughs> Brett. Still. Of epitaph records. All right, on to question nine. Uh, this one should be kind of fun. Um, it's a little bit of a Hollywood poem. Um, Basically about uh, some former crushes of mine. And we'll see if you guys can figure this out, okay? First, it was Christy back in 92. Luke Perry, Donald Sutherland made up her crew. In 1997, Sunnydale had Sarah. Same character, same badass in a different era. So we're looking for an actress? I'm looking for the name of a character. Got it. Oh. That they both played. That's lovely. What was the new? What was the later year? 97. 97. Christy and Sarah both played the same character I'm looking for. And I had a crush on both incarnations. I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. So are you tapping out, Jeff? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Jeff is tapping out. Let's go to Matt. That would be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, And Ken. Yeah. I finally got to Buffy after I thought about uh, the name Sarah 
Mm-hmm. Immediately, Sarah Michelle Gellar came yeah. to mind. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot Buffy was a movie. Yep. So it was Christy Swanson in the 1992 movie and Sarah Michelle Gellar in the 1997 TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's good. Good crushes. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember the movie Buffy. Yeah, when I was in uh, sixth grade, up until about 21, I used to wear a clotter ring, which is an Irish ring that has a heart with hands around it. Um, I wore that ring because David Boreanaz wore it in Buffy, and I thought if I had that ring and Sir Michelle Gellar ever met me, that we would be together. You'd have a oh, story. Man. Are you sure you want to keep that in the podcast? <laughs> I don't wear it anymore. Um, Bones himself, David Boreanaz. Nice cameo by He doesn't wear it anymore because now it's inside of him. Yeah, that's how I got through security. That's implanted. Um, <laughs> yeah, Hilary Swank uh, in the original movie, Paul Rubens, a lot of, a lot of cameos, Rucker Howard. I remember it. Uh, so here's our final question of round one. You guys are doing really well. Everyone knows that Jigsaw is behind the torturous contraptions in the Saw franchise. What is the name of the puppet with crystal clear messages? Jigsaw by proxy. No, the puppet actually has a name. Yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the fact that his name isn't Jigsaw. <laughs> so that for sure. So yeah, Jigsaw is the, the actual old, killer. He's the old man. Is the old is the mastermind. But Spoilers, please. For for Saw's one, two, and four, I think. Also, never seen Saw. You haven't seen Saw. I haven't seen Saw. There is oh, a, I see Saw all the time. <laughs> there is a clue in there. I give. I try to give clues in every question. I, know. I actually learned this myself. I didn't know it had a name. Yeah. And I I looked it up. All right, let's go with Jeff first. Uh, I went Buzz Saw or oh, Buzz. That's not bad. It's pretty good. Uh, Matt? Crystal Pepsi. Okay. I actually can't also think. a good guess. <laughs> I can't think. Ken? I just felt his name was maybe like Puzzles. Puzzles the puppet. Uh, Why is it called Puzzles? That's the puzzle. That's the puzzle. Uh, <laughs> Jigsaw. So his name actually, uh, funnily enough, is Crystal Pepsi the puppet. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, his name is Billy the oh, puppet. Billy Crystal. Billy the puppet. Oh. After round one, the scores are pretty close. In uh, third place is Jeff with 35 points. Second place, Matt with 50 points. And in first place, currently Ken with 60 points. Good start, guys. Might be one of my best rounds ever, to be honest. This is, this is fun so far. Fun is about to end as we sacrifice one of the uh, Triviality members. Valima. Valima. I am not having fun. Jeff is not I define fun by the amount by which I'm winning. Uh. <laughs> I believe uh, Samara has left a corpse in our closet. All right, now we're on to the swing round. So basically, it's a before and after. You're going to get two references, and you will put those together. Uh, one that I use often that isn't in this round is uh, Tommy Lee Jones' uh, Coen Brothers film where he's a cowboy and meets uh, Will Smith erasing people's memories who see aliens. So it'd be no country for old men in black. So there's going to be 10 of these worth five points a piece. Okay. 10 is a real swing round. Yeah. And really quick, before we start this, I think uh, Max von Sydow is waiting outside to be, to be let in to see, uh, see Reagan. I trust you Unclean spirit. Shut up, you The power of Christ compelled. <laughs> He's so um, good. Uh, all right, so <laughs> I think you guys will get this. It's pretty It's pretty fun. It's very uh, Halloween-themed. They're probably not too hard, but a lot of them, I will say, are um, universal monsters or monster movies or music. They're, they're all Halloween-themed, so just think of it that way. Characters from famous horror stories. Forgive me, Neil. Forgive me, John. Um, all right, number one. Here we go. 
He performed the solo instrumental track Eruption to a sold out crowd in Transylvania. Number two, she left three grooms at the altar before being set up with Boris Karloff, who she swiped right on. Number three, an amphibious humanoid beast interrupts a young Brooke Shields from learning about love on a colorful tropical island. All right, number four, Stephen King's creepy offspring at the University of Nebraska. Number five, a lycanthrope who moonlights as a stockbroker in New York. Finally. Oh, yeah, dear God. That took way too long before I got one. Number six. Yeah, I haven't gotten any of these except for that one. H.G. Wells' title character as he listens to R.E.M.'s tribute to Andy Kaufman. Number seven. What a show-off. He wrote the Telltale Heart while flying an X-Wing for the Resistance. <laughs> I like that one. I forgot his last. Good. Number eight. Nickelodeon horror anthology about Jim Henson's Gelflings and Mystics. Number nine. Clive Barker's Pinhead vehicle in the main event of WWE's October pay-per-view. So I'm looking for the movie that Clive Barker's character Pinhead is in, in the main event of WWE's October pay-per-view. And number 10, Thomas Harris's most famous antagonist as a tall stand with a sloping top to hold a book or notes. You know what really sucks is when I get like some of the references and I'm like, I know what he's talking about, but like, I just don't know. I have a lot of something answer, answer something. Okay, so I'm going to read through these clues one more time. Uh, as a note, if you're listening, try to get one of them. And once you get one of them, I, I put them in order of appearance. So if you know the first one, that means the end of that first clue is going to lead into the second one. So keep that in mind. Number one, he performed the solo instrumental track, Eruption, to a sold-out crowd in Transylvania. Number two, she left three grooms at the altar before being set up with Boris Karloff, who she swiped right on. Number three, an amphibious humanoid beast interrupts a young Brooke Shields from learning about love on a colorful tropical island. I should watch more movies. Number four, Stephen King's creepy offspring at the University of Nebraska. That one I'm proud of. I got that one. Don't think Oh, 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 oh. Number five, a lycanthrope who moonlights as a stockbroker in New York. No. And I can give you an extra hint on that one if you need. Yes. Directed by Martin Scorsese. No, it doesn't help. Well, that's not the part I was struggling with. Six. H.G. Wells' title character as he listens to R.E.M.'s tribute to Andy Kaufman. Seven. What a show-off. He wrote the telltale heart while flying an X-Wing for the Resistance. Eight. Nickelodeon horror anthology series about Jim Henson's Gelflings and Mystics. Number nine, the movie in which Clive Barker's character Pinhead exists if he were the main event of WWE's October pay-per-view. This one's a little light on the before and after, yeah. I think. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I was rushing on this last one. So oh. yeah. Clive Barker's character Pinhead, if he was in the film of the main event of WWE's October pay-per-view. I don't get any of those references. I get it. We said it a bunch today, Jeff, if you listen. All right, and look, number 10. Thomas Harris's most famous antagonist, if he was a tall stand with a sloping top to hold a book or notes. Extra hint. 
typically used by a public speaker or preacher. Yeah, I got that part. Can I get that one again? Thomas Harris's most famous antagonist, if he were a tall stand with a sloping top to hold a book or notes, typically used by a preacher or public speaker. I'll be lucky if I get three of these. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. All right, so after some time uh, for them to consider, we'll now give out the answers. I know some of these were pretty hard, but I feel like if you guys boil them down, you'll you'll figure them out. All right, the first one was he performed the solo instrumental track Eruption to a sold-out crowd in Transylvania. Let's start with Jeff. Um, I don't know who did the solo track Eruption. I figured there was a Dracula reference, but I couldn't get there, so I have blank Dracula. <laughs> okay, Ken? Blank Dracula. Okay, and so, Matt? Eddie Van Helsing. Eddie Van Helsing is correct. Eruption was yeah. the famous Eddie Van Halen solo on Van Halen 1. And uh, Van Helsing was the protagonist in Dracula. That's, yep. If, <laughs> I, if I had Van Halen, I probably would I, I watched, a, I've seen a lot of amateur guitar videos of people trying to play this solo. <laughs> oh, no, I just, our, see, my problem is I've probably seen all the same videos, but they just say like Van Halen guitar solo yeah. and they don't say Eruption. Um, yeah. All right, number two. She left three grooms at the altar before being set up with Boris Karloff, who she swiped right on. Let's start with Ken, who figured it out at the last minute. I want to go with Runaway Bride of Frankenstein. All right, Jeff? I, too, was channeling Julia Roberts and went Runaway Bride of Frankenstein. And Matt? I'll make it a sweep, Runaway Bride of Frankenstein. You guys got it. <laughs> See, once you guys boil them down, it's a lot easier. No, no, it no. It gets much worse from here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. That's, that's two for two, and that's where he's going to stand, yeah. apparently. Uh, and the reason I put swiped right on that one is uh, if you guys know the famous ending of Bride of Frankenstein, spoilers, she does not like him, and he burns down the castle because he's so angry. Oh. 
Uh, that's what happens when you get put into the friend zone. All right, number three. <laughs> An amphibious humanoid beast interrupts a young Brooke Shields from learning about love on a colorful tropical island. Uh, Ken. So you got to figure this is either, once again, Swamp Thing or Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, since you're talking about a colorful island, I'm kind of taking a guess here because I don't know the, the movie reference, but I'm going Creature from the Blue Lagoon. Okay, Matt. I just, all I had was Creature from the Black Lagoon, so I said Creature from the Black Lagoon Island. Okay, and Jeff? Uh, I can't believe I didn't get that. I'm pretty sure Ken's right with Creature from the Blue Lagoon, um, but I said Creature from the Black Lagoon because that's all I could get. All right, well, there wasn't a lot of negative press from parents that Brooke Shields was basically half naked the entire film of Blue Lagoon, so it was the Creature from the Blue Lagoon. Ken got five points on that one. All right. All right, next one. Stephen King's creepy offspring at the University of Nebraska. Jeff, figure that one out right away. What was it, Jeff? Uh, I said Children of the Cornhuskers. Mm. All right, Matt. All I had was Cornhuskers, and it makes so much more sense now when Jeff says it. <laughs> and uh, Ken. Yeah, um, I didn't know about the University of Nebraska thing, but I was able to get to Children of the Corn, and I remembered something was called the Cornhuskers, so Children of the Cornhuskers. Children of the Cornhuskers, If you've ever uh, been to Memorial Stadium... Like, uh, I, have like I have, yes. Very cool place. Um, and the, in fact, the whole town of Lincoln's pretty cool. But um, the, it just says Huskers. So it took me a minute. I was like, Huskers, cor- got a corn husk. So I, yeah, I was able to work that out pretty Good. Nice. I'm glad you guys got that one. Uh, Jeff had a little bit of trouble with the first part of this one initially. A lycanthrope who moonlights as a stockbroker in New York. Matt, what do you got? Oh, I don't. I have no idea. I said something, something Wall Street. Okay. Jeff? Wolfman of Wall Street or Wolf of Wall Street? I wasn't quite sure. Well, a uh, lycanthrope is a werewolf, so werewolf of Wall Street. Uh, It is werewolf of Wall Street. That makes sense. Uh, Originally, the clue was going to be Lon Chaney Jr. in Martin Scorsese's tale of a stockbroker. That would have been the wolfman of Wall Street, but I just went a little more general. So werewolf of Wall Street. Uh, Number six, H.G. Wells' title character as he listens to R.E.M.'s tribute to Andy Kaufman. Let's start with Ken. That's the invisible man on the moon. Mm. All right, Matt. I had Millennium Man on the moon. Okay, and uh, Jeff. I was like, I was going with a wolf theme. I went Wolfman on the Moon. Okay, not a bad guess, but uh, Ken is correct. It is yeah. the Invisible Man on the Moon. Yeah, that jogs my memory. Uh, the next one uh, is what a show off. He wrote the Telltale Heart while flying an X-wing for the Resistance. Let's start with Jeff. I I couldn't remember uh, where you're going with this, so I I went William Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice, uh, Matt. No, it's post something and i can't remember the stupid guy's last name so i have poe dot 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 all right and ken edgar allen poe dameron poe dameron uh, edgar allen poe dameron dameron or dameron or dameron however you want to say it yep uh played by oscar isaac all right number eight yeah nickelodeon horror anthology series about jim henson's gelflings and mystics Let's give this one to Matt. Matt. I think. Oh, I, I've got, I mean, I have, Are You Afraid of the Dark Shadows? Ooh, well, very good guess. guess. Very good guess. Jeff? Uh, I went more the Harry Potter theme, and I went, Are You Afraid of the Dark Lord? Ooh, okay. And are you Ken? afraid of the Dark Crystal? Dark Crystal is the Jim Henson oh, yeah. film about Gelflings and mystics. What was Dark Shadow? That's a... That's a vampire uh, series, yep. Number nine, Clive Barker's uh, film starring Pinhead, if it was the main event of WWE's October pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Jeff. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, Ken. So this one, I felt you broke uh, you broke the pattern a little bit in that it starts with one and ends with another because it's kind of in the middle. But the best I could do was Hellraiser in a Cell. Okay. For Hell in a Cell and Hellraiser. Yeah. 
And Matt. Yeah, if he was main eventing, he'd be in a triple threat with Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens tonight uh, in Hellraiser in a Cell. That is correct. Hellraiser in a Cell. That one was a little bit of a stretch, but I was running out of uh, ideas here. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but you guys got it, so it was good. That one was extra scary. Extra scary. Because of the element of, uh, of the unknown. <laughs> well, just think of the entrance that Hellraiser would, would have coming into the cell. and It'd be just like Kane's. Be, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, the final one. If you don't know who Thomas Harris is, you might have and a little I bit don't. of trouble with this one. And I did. All right, so <laughs> Thomas Harris's most famous antagonist is a tall stand with a sloping top to hold a book or notes. Let's start with Matt. No. Uh, I'm sure it's lectern. If it's, I don't uh i know now i know what it is but i have nothing oh lectern <laughs> hannibal lectern but that's not what i put I, what I, I, I thought you were going for uh podium i had podium so and I then put, i realized uh, it was anthropodium uh, okay not bad and jeff i just had podium with a question mark but hannibal lectern is so good oh uh, it is hannibal lectern everyone as soon as i looked at my sheet i'm like no it's lectern oh it's hannibal lectern. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny all uh, right uh Swing. I am sucking today. Uh, Jeff did not fare so well in the uh, the swing round. He got 10 points. Matt just one more, got 15. And Ken uh, did surprisingly well, got 40 points in that round. Surprisingly. Yes. Much so like dumb. Dracula, Jeff is sucking today. Going into the second round, Jeff has 45, Matt has 65, and Ken has uh, extended his lead to 100. <laughs> so it's going to be very interesting here uh, going into the second round. These questions... Uh, really quick, Neil. Yeah. Have you always had all these um, these uh, stuffed birds hanging around your room? Uh, no, and please ignore the, uh, the hole where you can see into the bathroom. Um, <laughs> we don't want to creep on anyone. I said that's a glorious joke. Uh, no. <laughs> no. That's not what he's talking about. It's it's psycho. I'm aware. Yes. Just uh, change the shower curtain. So, speaking of um, horror movies, uh, Camp Crystal Lake from Friday the 13th. How about in this room? In what order do we do we survive? I think well, I, I think I'm first because I would be the immediate. Let's split up. <laughs> and then I go up by myself. Let's split up, and I'm, let's split up. I'm going to go up the stairs yeah. in this house. I feel like I would be the kind of uh, not so like well equipped, but kind of likable character mm-hmm. who who kind of goes like second or third to last. Yeah, I think Jeff would be long windedly explaining something and get stabbed from behind in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, the deep blue sea. Well, death. actually, uh, Saturn or um, Venus doesn't have any moons, guys. <laughs> Are you eating some Halloween candy right now? Uh, we just got back from trick-or-treating, so there's quite a bit on the tape. Going into round two. These questions, I think, are going to be a lot easier because I I was up pretty late and I was rushing because I, I couldn't figure out the ones I wanted. So hopefully everyone will have a nicer round here. So it's going to be a scary listening experience. <laughs> yeah. Scary listening experience. Question one. What band, known as a horror punk band, covered 1962's song Monster Mash? I have a guess. Okay. Can uh, it be Halloween again? Uh, it cannot be Halloween again. <laughs> I, I considered it. I don't have an answer. I, I can't think of... I mean, I, I feel like I should know this, but I've got nothing. So if you were to make a Halloween-themed uh, or a horror-themed punk band, what would the name of your band be? That's a great question. Uh, so Jeff taps Matt. Uh, I think something like the Horror Pops is something I was thinking of. Okay, and Ken. That might be a better guess than what I had, but... Uh... I put the the most well known horror punk band is the Misfits, but I don't really recall a Monster Mash cover. But I went with the Misfits. 
They are known as the foremost authority in horror punk, the Misfits. Mm-hmm. I should have thought. So that. they did that cover for a DVD release of an old stop motion uh, film, and then they actually re-recorded it a second time with a different, uh, different riff and arrangement. But uh, they did it twice, so it was the Misfits. Well, it's a good thing I got that with my seven Misfits tattoos, my Misfits shirt, my Misfits belt buckle, <laughs> and my Misfits Zippo lighter. Good thing. Good thing. Question two. Actor Tony Curtis played this skeptic who died of peritonitis secondary to a ruptured appendix at 1.26 p.m. on October 31st, 1926. I have an answer. Mm-hmm. Me too. A skeptic? Uh, but like an established time of death, too, I think is... No. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That, that's his answer. Just All no. Right, let's start with Matt. Pen or teller. I don't know. Jeff? I think you're in the right genre. I want Harry Houdini. Ken. Yeah, I don't know what he played him in, but that's uh, Harry Houdini that you're describing. Or uh, Eric Weiss, was it? Mm -hmm. Eric Weiss. It was Harry Houdini. Famously died on Halloween. Also a famous skeptic who inspired Penn & Teller. The story goes that he was uh, punched three times when he wasn't ready by a college student. Um, But uh, some people say it didn't actually kill him, but it... uh, brought to light the fact that he had uh, the problem with the appendix. Yeah. If you had said magician or illusionist, I would have had it in about three seconds. But That's why I wanted I've to... I've never heard that referred to as a skeptic Well, he was a before. spiritual debunker. So. Right. Do you I remember believe, the story about a, his... Uh, yeah. I had a question about this uh, towards the beginning of our, our podcasting days, mm-hmm. I think. But mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, we were talking about how he, uh, he wanted... It, his mother was communicating with him, but didn't call him by his given name. Right. Yeah, and uh, the reason I didn't give the other clue is he's one of the most famous uh, deaths actually on Halloween. So Gotcha. Yeah. Um, All right, question three. Pumpkins were not the first vegetable to be carved. Celtic people in Ireland were carving this root vegetable commonly grown in temperature climates worldwide for its white bulbous taproot. I know this one without all the 800 extra clues at the end. (laughs) Me too. Okay. Uh, I went potato. Okay, let's go, Ken. Yeah, without thinking too much, I said potato, but now there's a better answer, which I think Matt uh, has available to him. Yeah, you should definitely look up the pictures of them because they're terrifying. It's turnip. Yep, turnip is correct. I didn't bother thinking. That's how my game's going. I kind of checked <laughs> <Perfect>. out. <laughs> Jeff, uh, if you reach out to Jeff, he'll be hosting up a uh, turnt up for turnips, a uh, turnip carving contest. <laughs> I figured much of Irish history has to do with abundance or lack of abundance of potatoes, so I just said potato. Not a bad guess. Without thinking. No, no, that's always a good guess. This one might be a little hard. W.W. Jacobs is known for his often adapted short story following a couple who are granted three wishes that come with an enormous price for interfering with fate. Those wishes are powered by a package containing the paw of what title animal? Well, this is actually very easy for me. And probably Matt, too. Due to a Probably. certain, due to a certain <laughs> yellow cartoon. cartoon. <laughs> I don't know the cartoon. I've got an answer, but all right, let's start with Jeff. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're thinking about luck and animals' paws, I went rabbit. Okay, good guess. Ken There's a famous uh, Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons where they receive a cursed monkey paw. Ah, okay, and Matt. I, mean, I also put monkey. So uh, I'm not too versed on The Simpsons. I don't really watch it, but I, apparently there is a reference there. It is a monkey. <laughs> yeah. It's a monkey paw. Uh, all right, on to question five. This one actually is a listener-submitted question, but not for the Halloween episode. It comes from our friend David Raffetto. I actually altered this question slightly to fit the theme of this game. Hope you don't mind, David. Uh, here it goes. It was Halloween night, and only ten minutes before curfew remained, a flurry of knocks came upon my door, and as I opened it, a small child held out a bag in front of me. 
I said, interesting costume, kid. And he responded with, well, we can't all be lion tamers. He told me he was dressed up as the 1963 Best Picture winner shot in Jordan, Morocco, and Spain. You might know this costume by what name? 1963 Best Picture? 1963 Best Picture winner shot in Jordan, Morocco, and Spain. And the name of the movie is the name of the character, because that's how he's dressed up. Yeah, pretty much. The, the name of the character is in the title of the film. Is, is okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm just having an off day. I just, I'm not getting anything. Um... The true horror of this episode is your performance. <laughs> Sorry. It's a Halloween episode. I had to make it make a joke. You didn't, but you did anyways. Jeff's been dead for 10 years. <laughs> Jeff's been, not even here, guys. I've been dead longer than that. The razor blade and all the apples we received are just slashing Jeff's score. <laughs> I want to give it I'm time. sure you'll get there, Jeff. Oh, yeah, I'm there. I finally... Oh, God. That took forever. Uh, I, I don't know very many movies of this era, so I just put Ben-Hur. Okay, that's a really good guess. It is uh, a good guess. guess. It's wrong. I did Lawrence of Arabia. That's better. Right? Okay, and Ken. Yeah, I figured somewhere in the three and a half hours, uh, we can't all be lion tamers, might have been buried there in uh, Lawrence of Arabia. The location sounded very familiar to me. That's Charlton Heston, right? No, no Peter O'Toole. Peter O'Toole. Okay. Ben Charlton Heston was Ben Hur. Yeah. Okay, that's mentioned. Yep. Which is right. It no. is Lawrence no. of Arabia. <laughs> that is correct. Thank you, David Raffetto, for that question. I hope you didn't mind that I altered it for our Halloween themed episode. That took me way. Ben Ben Hur's earlier, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, number six. In 1997, the village of North Terrytown, New York, officially changed its name to this fictional town that uses it as inspiration. Hint, their local school sports team is named the Horsemen. I am mm. in. All right, let's start with Ken on this one. I believe that would be uh, the Johnny Depp classic, <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. Oh. Okay, Matt. One of my favorite Fox shows, Sleepy Hollow. And Jeff. I said uh, Ichabod Crane. All right. Well, that was uh, you were there. Uh, it is Sleepy Hollow. Um, the story uh, by Washington Irving takes place in New York. And uh, for your trivia buffs out there, um, Sleepy Hollow was actually paired with Rip Van Winkle in um, Washington Irvin, Irving's collection of stories. So those were his two most popular stories mm. from that collection. Uh, all right. Uh, question number seven. Medically known as cutis anserina or horripilation, you might recognize it a little easier if I said, say cheese and die. Oh, got it. <laughs> oh, finally won. Okay, I'm in. All right, everyone was in pretty quickly on that one. I'm proud that that one at least uh, struck a nerve with you. Let's start with Jeff. I'm uh, guessing you're getting at the R.L. Stein classic, uh, Goosebumps. Okay, Ken? Yeah, I was like, when you were reading it, I was like, this is a skin condition, mm -hmm. and I... You know, the, the hint put it over the edge. Goosebumps. Yeah. Matt. Uh, I didn't want to have a Night of the Living Dummy or whatever the rest of those books are called. Uh, I put Goosebumps. Goosebumps is correct. Uh, I was going to give more clues, but I feared Say Cheese and Die is a pretty recognizable What was the one? The mannequin. The, the uh, dummy one. The dummy, yeah. Night, Night of the Living, Night of the living dummy. dummy. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what his name was? No. Slappy. Slappy. Mm. That's terrifying. My the, brother, uh, yeah. They're the, making a sequel to the movie that came out. The movie the was The one that okay. I had on VHS? Yeah. No. That was like 30 minutes long. Oh, the brand new movie from last year. The time. Jack Black R.L. Stein Where movie. Jack Black plays R.L. Stein. It was actually okay. It wasn't phenomenal. This one's going to be set in Horrorland. It's supposed to be uh, I believe part. the VHS I had was a 30-minute version of uh, Tower of Terror. Yeah, with those kids yeah. go back in time or whatever. Yeah. I remember watching that. Uh, on to question eight. Almost done with the second round here. While technically you don't need this many members, typically a witch's coven consists of ideally how many witches, according to folklorist Margaret Murray? 
representing the lunar calendar and signifying wholeness. Hmm. So there is a lot of dispute about this number, but according to Margaret Murray, who sort of uh, fashioned this idea, basically how many members do you need in a witch's coven? Okay. That's interesting. All right. Uh, it looks like everyone is in. Yeah, purely a guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on uh, works of William Shakespeare, I just went with three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good thinking there. Uh, Jeff? I was I was trying to think. Um, I was thinking of uh, that the movie with Bette Midler from the 90s where there's the Hocus three Pocus. witches. Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, then you were saying about the lunar calendar, um, which has 28 days. Um, you could do 13 cycles in a year. So I actually settled on 13. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like an interesting number, especially for a Halloween episode. Okay. And Matt? Yeah, I was thinking of the movie The Craft, and there were four witches, and I'd figure there's four different cycles because you'd have a crescent, then half, then another crescent, and then a full, um, or however that worked out. So I just put four. Hmm. All right, so uh, like I said, some people dispute this number, but according to Margaret, um, she was saying, uh, based on the lunar calendar, like Jeff explained, it would be 13. That's mm. really good reasoning, Jeff. Uh, the number 13, obviously, a lot of people say it's bad luck, but uh, people in Italy, especially gamblers, uh, 13 is a lucky number, so it just depends where you are. Uh, none of us here suffer from triskaidekaphobia, right? I was going to ask that, but uh, you know. Which is not fri- uh, fear of Friday the 13th, because that's friska triskaidekaphobia. Uh, triskaidekaphobia is just this? fear of the... Th- number 13. Jeff has one gulp of water and all of a sudden he knows everything again. <laughs> I know we're gonna have to go back in time and see what happens. <laughs> Question nine. Chicago is sometimes referred to as a second city, but if you need a heavy supply of apples for your bobbing contest, New York is actually second to this state in producing apples. The only one named for a president. Oh, got it. Well, I don't know that, but I'm gonna stick with my answer. Let me just think really quick so I make make sure I'm not doing something stupid. All right. Oh, I'm doing something stupid. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I'm good. All right, let's start with Ken. Got to go with uh Washington. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Got to go with those Washington red apples. Okay. And Matt. Yeah, but originally I was thinking of our illustrious president Michigan and then realized that was stupid. <laughs> and then went to Washington. Washington apple growers produce 6 out of every 10 apples consumed in the United States. Uh, the United States is the world's second largest producer of apples behind China. Well, it's Washington, New York, and then Michigan. Yeah, I know Michigan's really known for their apples. Uh, all right, the final question of regulation. The world's largest pumpkin festival takes place annually in the gardens at the largest Baroque palace in this country, nicknamed the Versailles of Swabia. Or Swabia. Oh, perfect. It is S-W-A-B-I-A. That's a shame. I just heard something about the Pumpkin World Growing Championships. The record last year apparently had exceeded the previous year's record by 300 pounds, which mm. is crazy. Do you guys ever watch Pumpkin Chunkin' or whatever that show is called? No. It was they put pumpkins on catapults and oh, see how far I remember they could that. throw them. I'm more into, uh, they do like a pumpkin river race after, actually after this. They like hollow them out and then they do them like canoes. Um, <laughs> I would give you the name of the palace, but it would give away no, the country. I'm, I'm in. Ken is in. Matt is in. Maybe. Yeah, I settled on an answer. Ken? I really had no idea. I just had to go with uh, Romania. Okay, Jeff? Right. So Mm -hmm. I went Russia. Okay, and Matt? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I figured they like pumpkins in Denmark based on no facts at all. I was thinking maybe Sweden, but Mm -hmm. who knows? All right. Well, Swabia is a cultural, historic, and linguistic region in southwestern Germany. 
Uh, it's in uh, Germany. Uh, yeah. And uh, it takes place at the Ludwigsburg Palace. Uh, yep. That probably would have gave it away. I probably would have still guessed Austria, so no worries. Yeah, I thought that would have given it away. After 20 questions, we have reached the end of regulation. Let me uh, compile the scores here going into our final round. All right, in third place, uh, bringing up his score a little higher is Jeff with 95. More than doubled from the half. Closely in front of him is Matt with 115. And still running away right now is Ken with 170. All hail the pumpkin king. (laughs) And before we continue, I just want to thank Neil for uh, putting his millions on the line and inviting us here to his home to to stay the night. House on Haunted Hill? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, so... I'm going to give you the categories. Like I said, uh, I was trying to pull this game together fairly quickly, so um, might be a little tough. But category number one is going to be Halloween in history. So it's going to be some sort of event that took place on Halloween. Uh, the second category is going to be Monster Mash lyrics. So it's a question about the lyrics in Monster Mash. Number three, British electronic music. Number four, Halloween night football. So not Monday night football, but Halloween night football. And number five, famously killed by times three. So basically I'm going to ask you uh, a question about a character who killed a certain character, and you have to get all three right in order to get your points. So just keep that in mind. And they they all are movie characters, famous uh, movie antagonists. All right, so the wagers are in, and we're going to go to this final round. Uh, before we do that, just wanted to remind everyone, make sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. Uh, all right, here we go. Halloween in history. On Halloween in 1517, Martin Luther nailed what on the door of a Catholic oh church? Oh, my God. Essentially launching the Protestant Reformation. I'm so pissed. I feel like... In case anybody's curious, I know the answer and wagered nothing on this one, so... I was not curious. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, Monster Mash lyrics. All right, so this is basically it. I'm going to give you four lines from the song, and there's one thing missing, and I will tell you what that is, and I just need the name. Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band, and my Monster Mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them who sent you. I'm looking for a name. Got it. Basically, the narrator of the song, Who Sent You? All right. Number three, electro- British electronic music. While they didn't name one of their most successful hits after a young Stephen King, Drew Barrymore film, this British electronic music group's name certainly applies to Drew, who was endowed with exceptional qualities or abilities at a young age. Mm-hmm. All right. Halloween night football. Number four. In 1994, the Chicago Bears played a game known as the Halloween Monsoon, where they were dominated in a 33-6 blowout in harsh weather conditions by what team not known for their ground attack? And question five. Now, this is my this is the only question I wanted to do this whole game. And remember, you have to get all three answers correct to receive points, but it should be fairly easy. I'm going to give you three famous actors or actresses who early in their career were killed by a famous antagonist in a well-known horror franchise. I will give you the actor and the movie, and all I need you to do is name the killer. You must get all three answers correct for points for full credit. Here we go. Number one, a young Johnny Depp in 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Full name here I need. 
of the actor or the the killer. killer. I need the name of the killer from Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Number two, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in 1998's Halloween H2O, 20 years later. And number three, Kevin Bacon in 1980's Friday the 13th. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Answers are in. Uh, We're going to start right at the top at question one, which was Halloween in history. Uh, Matt bet zero on this. Ken bet 20. And Jeff also bet zero, but I feel like Jeff regretted betting zero on this one. I asked you, uh, what did Martin Luther nail on the door of the Catholic Church in 1517? Let's start with Matt. Yeah, it's like a list of complaints or something, but I just put one of my favorite Usher songs and wrote, these are my confessions. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, Let's go with Ken. Yeah, I'm just kind of confusing this with different like philosophical writings and stuff like that. I remember maybe a number associated, I think it was 32 uh, theses or theses. Okay. And Jeff, I was going to try and lead you there like a horse to I'm water close, and right? ask if you, like really if you knew about um, how many theses, but uh, four less than the problems had by a famous rapper. He had 95, yeah. 95 theses. theses. It is the 95 theses. I so, was really close. Just uh, the number wrong. Ken lost 20 points in that question. So we'll see how that fares in our final scores here. Uh, number two was in Monster Mash lyrics. I read a uh, chunk of lyrics from the song and I just asked you to tell me uh, who in the song, the narrator, uh, sent you when you get to the party. So let's start with uh, Ken, who bets zero. The Wolfman. Okay, the Wolfman. Uh, let's go to Matt. Yeah, it's probably the Wolfman. I thought he was talking in like a Dracula voice the whole time, so I just said Dracula. Yeah, but Drac's part of the band. Yeah, but he could also be talking. Don't do this to me. <laughs> All right, and uh, Jeff. Tell them Ivan sent you. Ooh, Jeff was Is very confident. Igor? It's not Igor, it's not Ivan, it's Boris. Oh, that's uh, right, Boris. Who's Boris? Boris is just the narrator. Maybe, yeah. maybe referring to Carlos. Uh, does anyone know who the guests were at the party as named by the song? I don't care. Well, it's the Wolfman. Wolfman, Dracula, Dracula and his son. And his son, yep. That was actually going to be the question, but I thought that'd be that's too easy. That's too bad. Boris sent you, that's right. Uh, question three, one of, probably my favorite other than the last one in this round. 
Uh, Matt bet zero, Jeff bet zero, but Ken went big with 20. So uh, basically, I'm looking for the name of a music group in relation to the definition of a person who's endowed with exceptional qualities or abilities at a young age. Let's start with Matt. Well, the movie is E.T., and I couldn't think of anything, I believe. Or maybe it's something else. I don't know. Uh, I just put Supertramp. Okay. All right. Jeff? Isn't, isn't E.T. a Spielberg film? Yeah, it is. that's probably right. It's actually close. And you asked about a Scorsese film? Stephen King. Stephen King film. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, I actually uh, had nothing for this one. Uh, I wagered nothing, so I didn't even bother to think about it. Okay. Thank you for uh, answering my question. And uh, Ken, <laughs> what do you have? Well, British Electronic is uh, actually a very narrow subgenre that I'm interested in. So I did not have to walk too far into my minefield to find the prodigy. answer is the prodigy. Correct. So the Drew Barrymore Stephen King adaptation was called Firestarter, oh, which is a yeah. song by the prodigy. That makes so much sense. I read Firestarter. Um, all right. Number four was Halloween Night Football. Twisted Firestarter. A little leaning a little bit toward Matt. I'm sure he got this one. But in 1994, the Chicago Bears were beaten badly by what team in harsh weather conditions? Let's start with Ken, who bet zero. Uh, since you said their ground game sucked, I just went uh, with an airborne uh, mascot, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Jeff actually bet 30 on this one. What do you have, Jeff? I went a similar way. I went with something that's more useful off the ground. I went Jets. Okay. And Matt? Yeah, I remember this game i believe because uh, i was about nine years old and i'm pretty sure they got destroyed by the packers all right well ranked by brett Favre as one of his favorite games against the rival chicago bears it was the green bay packers who braved temperatures in the 30s winds up to 50 miles per hour and an onslaught of heavy rain to embarrass our team yeah i think um brett Favre actually had a 99 yard pass in that game to robert brooks because like the guy fell down in the rain and he just like ran unopposed for 99 yards it was, a, it was a real bad game. <laughs> I was going to guess the Packers, but I was trying to think if, if they had historically a bad ground game, but I guess they do. Yeah. yeah. They, well, at that time, they were known for just Brett Favre. And but even now, like, yeah. nobody really cares Aaron about the Rogers. ground game. Yeah. Uh, so for this last question, it was the uh, famously killed by times three. Jeff went zero. Uh, let's see if he uh, mustered the effort to put an answer. Nope. Uh, he did not. <laughs> All right. So... Definitely zero on that one. Find his lack of effort pretty scary. Uh, So basically, I was looking for the killer in 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, 1998's Halloween H20, 20 years later, and 1980's Friday the 13th. So let's start with Matt. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Frederick Krueger, Halloween, uh, Michael Myers, and then what was the last one? Uh, 1980's Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, Jason Voorhees. Okay, and Ken, what do you got? I also went with uh, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and for the last one, I do differ a little bit because the killer in the original Friday the 13th is Jason's mother, or Miss Voorhees. So the answers were Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, and I would have accepted either Mrs. Voorhees, Pamela Voorhees, or Jason's mom in the first film. That's why I specified 1980 because she was the original killer. She was the killer. He was the killer in the second one and the the She's all I want. I've waited I was so actually going to do a Fountain of Wayne reference with Jason's, Jason. like Jason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. After tabulating the scores in third place for today's Halloween themed game is Jeff with 35 points. In second place with a respectable 125 points is Matt. And in first place is Ken with 180 points and is today's Scream of the Crop. <laughs> Ah! 
that's a scream. Yeah, I look forward to our Arbor Day episode. Neil thought a previous game of mine was uh, including no movie questions out of sheer spite. Um, <laughs> my next game might be out of sheer spite, but uh, no, it's just because I don't have uh, much reference in uh, in movies. So my well, media. You, mo- you can't spite me after I. You spit. You spited me, then I spited you back, and you can't you come have back been, again. We've been respoten. Yeah, we're even. <laughs> the vengeful spirit of Jeff lives on. R.I.P. You will be smote. Um, all right. Well, uh, uh, hold on. Let me let me take a quick picture, Neil, to commemorate the game. So what's this bride standing behind you in, in this picture? That it's wow. Kinda, it's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, it is terrifying. Uh, well, uh, thank you to uh, Matt, uh, Jeff, Ken, and uh, the Annabelle doll in the corner for a great game. <laughs> If you'd like to uh, play along with our contestants, make sure to check out our Facebook page, download our official Triviality score sheet that we use here in the studio. Of course, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can go to Twitter or Facebook at TrivialityPod or email us all questions and comments to TrivialityPodcast at gmail.com. If it's a question five, make sure to put the hosts in the subject line so we can read that on a future episode. Of course, other than uh, spreading the word and uh, biting people in the neck, turning them into Triviality Vampires, the best way you can support the show is by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to Triviality on your favorite podcast ha- uh, app. Until until next time, or death do us part, on behalf of Ken, Matt, Jeff, and myself, that was Triviality. Excuse me, Laurie. Oh, Mr. Brackett, I'm sorry, Mr. Brackett. Oh, I didn't mean to startle you. That's all right. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> nice seeing you, sir. <laughs>